Man, you know, Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's sneaking up on us this year. I, I, why? I don't know. Everybody that I've talked to, uh, you know, I've come out and said, uh, you know, Mother's Day is in two weeks. They're like, no, it's not. It's a month. It is two weeks away, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So, uh, I mean, it's literally right around the corner. So uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about something today. It can be a lot of fun and much more appreciative and longer lasting than that box of chocolates or a bouquet of flowers that you're planning on getting the kids to give to her this year. And that's planting a Mother's Day garden. And uh, this is something that's become a tradition in our family. Uh, actually, it was a tradition in Terry's family and uh, before I even showed up. But uh, instead of giving mom cut flowers, which are going to wilt and die within a week or so, you know, granted, they're appreciated, appreciated and they're beautiful, but uh, try taking your kids and her to a nursery and uh, having her pick out some flowers, you know, something uh, that will last a lot longer. And I figure we talk about that a little bit today. Uh, but as always, if you've got a question about anything that's green or growing, please feel free. Go ahead and shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And uh, we'll go ahead and get your question on the uh, air. It could be about uh, plants, gardens, trees, shrubs, vegetables, you know, whatever's on your mind. Maybe you're thinking about doing some repairs to your lawn. Uh, Lord knows, looking at some of the lawns out there, they need it. <laughs> Uh, it's been a rough winter and a rough spring, too. So uh, go ahead and give me a call. Again, that number is 608-785-7914. Now, when you're making your plans for a Mother's Day garden, and, okay, first off, let me say, you don't have to have a yard to do this. Uh, a Mother's Day garden, I mean, I'm just using that term in a very general sense. It could be a pot of flowers. It could be some herbs or whatever that, uh, you know, Mommy will grow in the kitchen in a nice sunny window to help her, you know, in cooking. Uh, it could be whatever. It's, you know, just something to do with plants that you guys purchase with her. And, uh, you know, do the work, the heavy work, uh, the planting and everything yourselves and uh, bringing the kids out to the nursery is always a joy and it's amazing watching these kids uh, you know trying to pick out something for mom and uh, listening to the conversations that they have and everything else uh, now if you're going with really young children you got to keep a couple of things in mind though because there's nothing that will take the wind out of kids' sails faster than have they, having them hear, no, don't get that one, that's not going to work, no, we can't use that, to, you know, every choice that they uh, make. Remember, even though that you're doing this for mommy, it is their mommy that, uh, yeah, it's being done for. And, you know, kids, are it's their mommy. And uh, we generally know what mommy would like or what the plants are going to grow up to do or not do. But simple rephrasing of now 
or, you know, that's not going to work will go a long ways with the kids. And it could turn something from what could be 100% a positive experience to, uh, you know, something that isn't fun at all, and then it becomes a chore, and you don't want that. So it's imperative that you make this enjoyable for them, yourself, and, of course, most importantly, mommy. But we've got one caller coming in, so we're going to go ahead and jump over the phone line. So we've got a text line, too, the same number, 608-785-7914. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who is this? This is Kurt. Hey, Kurt, what can I do for you? Well, I've got a couple of maple trees in my front yard, and I'm having trouble to get grass to grow underneath them. Is that pretty much uh, normal? or Nature of the beast, Kurt. What can I do? That's the nature of the beast. Unfortunately, maple trees, uh, they have a lot of uh, very shallow roots. And these roots come out, and you'll probably be seeing the main trunk roots come out, uh, the big uh, bulky ones. And coming off of those will be the the feeder and the capillary roots. And those capillary roots are the ones that do the most damage. And uh, their job is to grab a hold of the soil to hold the tree in place because maples have, don't have much of a taproot at all. And they grab a hold of the soil and uh, anchor down into it. But at the same time, they suck up every bit of moisture that's there. And in a contest between grass and maple trees, the maple tree is going to win every time as far as getting the moisture. So there's not that much you can do about that. Uh, there are grasses that are meant to use in more droughty-type areas, like a zoysia. Uh, but unfortunately, those grasses grow out in full sun, not in uh, partial shade. So, again, you're, it's not going to allow you to use that there. Uh, about the best thing to do is either go ahead and uh, when the trees are smaller, you can get away with doing this. Uh, you can go ahead and you know frame out an area with some uh, you know block or you know landscape uh, curbing or whatever, and uh, just uh, you know bark it so you know you don't have bare roots sticking up out of the ground. Uh, I've seen a lot of people do that, and that can look very decorative, too. Just make sure you feather out the bark or the uh, wood chips or rock or whatever you use in it as you get up to the tree trunk itself. But, yeah, there's no easy way of doing it. I know people have uh, gone out, and they'll take a uh, corerator, and they'll aerate the heck out of it. They'll plant grass seed. The grass seed will grow, and within the next season, it's dead again. So there's not much you can do to keep it going. Okay? Okay. Well, that answers my question anyway. Yeah, I wish I had better news for you. Okay, take care, Kurt. And, yeah, unfortunately, that is, it's the nature of the beast with the maple trees. They're a beautiful tree to have. They're a fantastic shade tree. But uh, you just can't get grass to stay underneath them. When they're smaller, you can, uh, because the roots haven't really, uh, you know, grown out yet. But uh, once those roots start, uh, you know, reaching out away from the plant, the grass is going to start dying. 
there's nothing you can do about that uh, aside from removal of the tree itself and also getting rid of uh, the root system. But, hey, that's that. Uh, other trees that uh, you can have in an area that will allow grass to grow right up uh, to them, apple trees will, uh, ash trees will, uh, as will mountain ash. If, if you're going to get an uh, ash, a green or a uh, white ash, you're going to have to worry about the emerald ash borer, of course. But uh, you can always treat for that and, you know, not have any worries. But uh, the grass will go right up to the base of them. Uh, another one, it'll be a little bit more work, uh, is, believe it or not, a spruce tree will allow grass to grow right up to it. But that's going to be a bit more work because you're going to have to lime right underneath the tree every couple of years and uh, keep those needles picked up as well and, you know, keep uh, lower branches trimmed. Uh, willows will allow grass to grow right up to about a couple of feet away from the trunk. Uh, willows have very, very, they've got the same type of uh, root system that grows out. Uh, not, it doesn't grow out as bad as it does in maple trees where it kills the grass underneath the entire drip line, but a few feet out from the trunk it will. Uh, let's see, what else out there is good for, uh, just about any pear tree, nut trees with the exception of walnuts, of course, uh, will, uh, do fine. So there's a lot of other plants out there than uh, maples, uh, but unfortunately maples are a beautiful tree for a lot of reasons, and people like them, and that if you like the tree, you're just going to have to figure out what you like more, grass or the maple. Okay, that's going to take care of the first section of the Plant Doctor Show. We're going to take a little break, but we'll be right back here at 1410 WYZM, the Plant Doctor Show, in just a minute. Go ahead and give me a call or shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And we are back, and we've got one caller on hold and one text message that came in. So uh, let's hit the text message really quick because this is a fast one. Uh, I thinned out my snow on the mountain. So I've got very various areas with the snow on the mountain, and I put a border around each. Can I spray weed poison in between each of these to keep the plant from spreading into the vacant areas? Thank you for uh, for your expertise. Okay, your answer, and unfortunately, is no in this case. Uh, snow in the mountain uh, spreads by a root. So the if you have it popping up beyond the border, it's still attached to the main plant. If you spray that, uh, you know, plant with a uh, weed killer, uh, it will wind up hurting the rest of the plant. And, unfortunately, that's not what you want. So, in a case like that, seriously, about the only thing that you could do is put down uh, a little bit of landscape fabric uh, coming out from it. That will uh, stop it from coming up. Uh, or you can go ahead and just plan on picking it, you know, weeding by hand. But, uh, in that case, you do not want to use a spray. Okay, uh, we let's jump over to this caller here. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Uh, Bill Heyman. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Good. I've had a couple uh, maple trees, uh, larger ones actually, that I was able to get the grass to grow pretty healthy under. But oh. the first thing I did was I took every branch that came down below seven feet, take them off at the tree. Okay. Okay. Then I'd add three to four inches of good, healthy topsoil. 
from the tree out to the end of the, you know, basically the root line or the trip line from the edge of them, mm-hmm. and mainly that so that those surface roots aren't so much of a pain in the butt when you're trying to mow. Um, and then seed it, and if it's a larger tree, get a tree trimmer to come and, and thin it out a little bit. But morning and afternoon, the sun will get to it then. And you need to get, if you're seeding, you've got to seed it every day until it sprouts. And then if it does not rain for four or five days in a row, you're going to have to water it. Like you said, those those roots suck the water out. But you can, as long as you keep an eye on it, and if it rains every four or five, six days, you don't get two weeks of no rain in which you don't water, you can keep it going. And I've had pretty good success. Yeah, uh, if you do, in most cases, people aren't able to water every day. And uh, that's why I don't even. Well, I don't. Go I don't water. Well, I don't water every day. If, if, if I don't well, when it's a young lawn, you have a to. Good though. soaking in a week, then I soak it real good. But, so at least once a week, I soak it thoroughly. Mm-hmm. And that that's is, you know, you can do it that way too. Uh, there's no question about it. Uh, basically, what you're doing is you're bonsaiing a uh, giant tree. <laughs> it, for all uh, intents and purposes, uh, you're. By thinning out the tree and keeping it thinned out, you're uh, selectively pruning the tree so the growth is sticking up on the top instead of going down to the roots. And you'll actually wind up with a much thicker tree, too, that way, but it, because it's going to keep well, growing and thicken out. I've only pruned them or thinned them about every four years. Yeah, that's about, year. that's about what it would take. Uh, okay. Then it's gonna, uh, you know, start thickening up to the point of the, uh, you know, no light penetration. Uh, generally, with maple trees, they're not growing in like a grove type of a uh, situation. So uh, sunshine usually gets in from the sides of them. Uh, they're not usually pushed right up against each other. So uh, it's not so much the sunshine getting down to it as it is the uh, leaves. And by thinning out the branches, you're telling, you're making, forcing the tree to uh, take its uh, energy and put it up up in the uh, canopy as opposed to uh, pushing out more roots, and you're slowing that system down. So that's why that works. Yeah. Okay. Well, I never knew why. I just kind of did it. <laughs> mm, and that's, uh, you're right. That is a possibility, but that's something that most people don't want to have to deal with. Yep. And okay. most people just opt for, okay, let's take an ash tree there instead. <laughs> it's a lot easier. Yep. But, yep. Okay, thanks a lot for the call, Bill. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You have, have a great day. weekend there. Bye-bye. And, yeah, the... Answers that I give on this show are generally the easier and quicker solutions uh, because I know just out of my history uh, dealing with people, that's what they generally pick. Uh, there are a lot of different solutions out there, but uh, for you know any uh, given problem, but you know you got to cut the line someplace, and you know just. Uh, say what you think people are going to be able to use. But yeah, talking about the uh, Mother's Day gardening today, and we don't have much time to get back to that right now before we have to take our news break. But uh, yeah, the, as I was saying earlier, we've had this tradition in our family for quite a few years, and uh, the kids love it. 
And it's a fantastic way, not just to, you know, spend the day with the kids and uh, mom and, you know, have everybody working together. It gets them away from their games. Hey, that's a great thing right there in itself. It gets them outside and gets some fresh air. And, uh, you know, you're going to have something that's going to build up memories over the years. Uh, Dylan, or well, everybody planted that uh, lilac bush that we had in the backyard. And uh, we remember snowstorms that covered it. And uh, the year that we had the super late uh, frost, and we were out there like a bunch of idiots trying to cover the bush with uh, sheets and made it look like a giant ghost uh, in middle of spring looked like a giant halloween decoration uh and then uh you know dylan had his uh honeysuckle plant which had its better years uh it had great years and had some bad ones too uh, we had one set of neighbors uh adjoining we lived in a uh, window at that point and i guess uh, uh people on the other side of the fence didn't like the plant for whatever reason and they tried killing it on us uh, and they tried pouring uh, weed control. The only thing that, you know, they didn't count on is you know, I recognized what was going on, and I saved it. But, uh, you know, the bad memories, good memories, fun memories, uh, you will have a lot of memories doing this. So it's a really good idea, and we'll talk about that some more when we get back. We'll be back here at 1410 WYZM, the Plant Doctor Show, in just a minute. Give us a call. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And welcome back to the Plant Doctor Show. Here at WYZM, we're here every Saturday morning uh, taking your calls and answering your questions about anything that's green or growing. Uh, so if you've got a question about uh, lawn gardening, trees, shrubs, houseplants, whatever, give us a buzz, shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608. 608- 608-785-7914. I hate brain farts. Uh, and uh, that's your talk and text number, so uh, it works both ways. 608-785-7914. And if you have a question that might come up during the week, uh, go ahead and go to the my Facebook page, uh, like it or friend it or whatever the heck you're supposed to do. I don't know uh, the terms for that. But it is the plant doc of lacrosse. There's a lot of plant doctors out there, but there's only one of lacrosse, and that one's me. Now we got one caller come in and a couple of texts, so I'm going to do one of the texts first, then we'll go to the caller, then the next text. And this one here is from the widow lady, and uh, she sends me a picture. Uh, uh, actually, I guess it's somebody talking about the widow lady has this problem with her lawn. Any ideas? Thanks. And I click on the picture, and it's a very interesting picture. Uh, It shows lawn, front yard, full sun, and uh, it's partially alive and partially yellow. I mean, straw yellow, uh, like it's not growing. And uh, the picture is taken from quite a ways away, so I can't really tell what's going on. But there is one thing that I can tell you, judging by the looks of it. Now, its uh, I'd say the dead patch is taking up about half of her front yard, uh, at least on the one side. And there is a perfectly straight line between the neighbor's house and the dead patch. So that's going to tell me that this is not insects or disease, 
uh, because they're not going to stop when they get up to the neighbor's lawn unless the neighbor's lawn was uh, treated. It was like grubs or something like that, and the neighbor's lawn was treated and yours was not. But it does not appear to be grub damage. Uh, what it looks like is spray damage, to be honest with you. And I don't know if it was uh, done professionally or if somebody else did it, but it looks like it was it looks like it was sprayed with Roundup, to be honest with you. From this distance, it's impossible to tell, but the color is that that Roundup makes on a lawn. If that is the case, then your answer is simple. You can go ahead and reseed right into it. Uh, what I would do is go out there, give it a coriation, and do a seeding right over the top. Uh, that will give you the best chance for uh, lasting grass. Granted, you will have some uh, crabgrass coming up in the spring, but, I mean, you've got a dead lawn anyhow, so, hey, any green's going to be good. If it wasn't Roundup that did it and some other lawn chemical like a uh, 2,4-D product, then you might have some issues because 2,4-D can last in the soil for a while. If that this was done this year, you're going to have to wait to the fall to get any decent grass growing out there. If it was done last year, you can go ahead and, uh, you know, tear out the uh, old grass and, you know, replant it. Uh, that won't be a problem. But, uh, yeah, it definitely looks like a man-made issue, and I wish I knew more about the uh, problem, to be honest with you. Uh, that way there I can give you a more definitive answer. But, okay, we've got a couple of calls coming in. Let's jump over to the phone lines. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Hello. Hello. Um, this is Al. Hi, Al. What can I do for I haven't heard from you in a long time. Um... I can't hear you very well. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, Go ahead, Al. Go ahead with your question. My question is um, about amaryllis. Um, I uh, didn't get them to bloom this winter. The winter before, I got uh, three out of five. Um, do I have to um, keep? Um, uh, uh, can I keep them in the pots and put them outside and fertilize them every week, or what is your suggestion? Okay, I would go ahead, bring them outside, allow them to grow. And uh, I would not fertilize them every week. Uh, bulbs don't take fertilizer the same way as they do uh, normal uh, plants. Uh, you would go ahead and put it out there. Uh, let it start growing, you know, uh, now, you said they haven't bloomed yet, but have you grown them? Oh, okay. No, and what about L? Easter lilies? Can L? you uh, replant them for in your regular garden? L, let's go back to the amaryllis for a second. You said it hasn't bloomed, but did you try to grow it, or did you just not take it out yet? That's my question. Okay, all right. Well, thank you so much. Okay, Al. Th thank you for listening. And, yeah, unfortunately, if she hadn't taken them out yet uh, and, you know, they just, you know, skipped a uh, growth cycle, you can have, bring them outside, let them start growing out there in the uh, warmer weather, but not bring them out tonight. Uh, we're supposed to be getting snow, but after, say, Monday, uh 
temps should be fine for them, but keep an eye on the uh, forecast. But, uh, yeah, then just take it out, allow it to go through the process. It only needs about six to eight weeks uh, to recycle itself, So you know, in between blooms. So you can definitely get a blooming now uh, outside and a bloom, you know, come again uh, for uh, Christmas time. But, okay, uh, we had one other call coming in, and they hung up, so we have three open lines and one text. Let me get over here to my, oops, wrong page. There we are. Shut down this one here. And let's see. Mike, I have a smoke bush. What is the best way to fertilize it and with what? Okay, smoke bush is nothing very crazy at all. Uh, They're a beautiful bush to have. And uh, the best way to fertilize it is with tree stakes. Uh, go ahead and pop them down uh, around the drip line of the bush. And if it's an established bush, you know, a large one, you want to go about every two feet in between stakes. Uh, and go in a full circle, if you can, all the way around the bush. If uh, you can't do the full circle, just do where you can. And, again, you pop those tree stakes down uh, right at the drip line uh, or just on the inside of it. Now, if it's a smaller one, go, you know, uh, just starting out, go ahead and still use tree tree stakes, but uh, just use four of them and do one north, one south, one east, one west, and, uh, you know, uh, surrounding the bush, and you should be good to go. They're a fantastic bush. Uh, they're one of my favorites. Those and the red buds uh, are always so pretty to see. But uh, we've got one caller coming in, so we're going to go ahead and jump over to the phone lines. Now we have two callers. Good morning, Earth Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? Uh, Bill again. You mentioned 2,4-D. Yes. I have a neighbor who has a gorgeous yard, and he tells me he uses 2,4-D every year to get mm-hmm. rid of the uh, uh, dandelions, broadleaf weeds, and stuff. Okay. And I've always been hesitant to use it because I'm wondering, well, will it hurt the trees? I have some beautiful cedar trees in the yard. Should not. Um, and wondering what does it do to the bugs and the, you know, worms and stuff that the birds are eating? Does it affect that? How about my well? Will it, will it eventually work its way down in the soil and get to my well? All good Can questions. You, how safe is 2,4-D? Okay, first off, there are a lot of different uh, products that have 2,4-D in it. In it. it is an active ingredient that's used in uh, many over-the-lawn weed-killing uh, type products, uh, such as Weed Be God is one. Okay. Uh, now, as a licensed pesticide applicant, oh, I'm not licensed anymore. That's right. I'm retired. <laughs> wow, I can use that word. I can finally use that word. Uh, because the state of Wisconsin. I'm retired too, but I still have a license. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine's not active though. Uh, okay. And I could actually be fined for saying the word that I'm going to say. Uh, oh. But, uh, well, now I can't be. But uh, the word is safe. Believe it or not, any pesticide, there is a law in Wisconsin that says that pesticide applicators cannot use the word safe in describing any pesticide. Huh. Okay. Now, that's why I've always beaten around the bush around that word. (laughs) Isn't isn't 2,4-D a herbicide? Yes, and pesticide. Pesticides, uh, 
consist of herbicides, fungicides, okay. insecticides, rodicides, any, anything that's a pest. So okay. uh, now uh, 2,4-D is a, one of the safer chemicals out there in weed killers. It breaks down very quickly. It is absorbed through the leaf of the plant. It does not come up through the roots. Ah, so okay. uh, it's fine to use right up to the base of a tree. Now, that being said, I'm talking about going by label instructions, using right. proper amounts. Of course, if you go pouring this stuff on super heavy right around the base of a tree, you're probably going to do some damage because okay. yeah, it's not being uh, used in uh, the way it's supposed to be used. But uh, by going by the label, uh, I have never had any issues with it. Uh, I wouldn't go walking barefoot through the grass after I spray it. But you know, after the stuff dries, I've got no problems with going barefoot outside, very honestly. Okay. Uh, I won't let my uh, pets out on it until it dries. Uh, and once you've had a couple of dews in the morning, uh, you know, after the application... And, you know, it's dried off. Uh, after a couple of those, the product's off the plants. <clears throat> so you don't have to worry about it. So okay. uh, it is one of the safer products to use. Okay. Well, on a separate note, the last lady seemed to have trouble hearing you. Yeah. Um, the phone, through the phone, I can hear you much better on the radio, much clearer. You're, it's, there's something going on at your end that I'm, you know, we're having trouble hearing you over the phone. Yeah. I have, I have wisdom look into that. Yeah, that's been an ongoing on and off uh, for a few weeks now, <laughs> and hopefully the engineers are aware of it, and, you know, they're trying to take okay. care of the situation. Well, I'm thinking, okay, I'm thinking my younger ears are probably a little better than hers, but it is, it is a kind of hard <laughs> Yes. Okay. Well, thank you much for the call, Bill. I greatly appreciate You're it. You're welcome. You have a great day. And that gives us one open line, 608-785-7914. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who is this? Hello? Hello? Yes, you're on the Plant Doctor Show. Uh, this is uh, My name is John. Is, is it too late to transplant peonies flowers? Nah, you can do peonies any time of the year. Uh, you're probably not going to get a bloom this year, though. Uh, so, you know, don't uh, think of that uh, because you're going to be shocking the plant just as it's, you know, starting off. Sure. But uh, you can go ahead and plant them at any time of the year. Uh, okay. It's best to do it in the fall because, you know, it's a little bit cooler weather. I'll be less yes. shocked to the system. But as long as you've got a way of watering it yep. uh, going into the summertime, no issues. Okay, thank you. You're quite welcome. And thanks, thanks for calling. Yeah, right. Bye-bye. And uh, one more caller. <coughs> as soon as I get done choking, uh, let's see here. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who is this? Good morning. This is Terry. Hey, Terry. What can I do for you? Well, um, I got my yard all raked, but now I have to uh, add lime, crabgrass killer, fertilizer, and eventually go after the creeping trolley with some four speed. So what is the sequence and the timing for these these t uh, things to be added. Ah, okay, very good. Uh, is the Creeping Charlie up yet? Uh, just barely. Okay, now is just when you want to hit it. Uh, oh. Between now and while it's blooming. Okay. And, and what? Between now and while it is blooming. 
Okay. Uh, is the best time to hit Creeping Charlie. Okay. If not, you can wait until the fall and uh, go ahead and put that down in the fall after we've had a couple of hard frosts. Because the okay. frost will not kill the Creeping Charlie, but it will weaken it significantly. Okay. Now, this is uh, one of the things uh, Creeping Charlie will succumb to four speed XT, no problems whatsoever, as long as you follow the directions on the label. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of people like to say, okay, well, I know Creeping Charlie is a hard weed to kill, so I'm going to go ahead and just you know, give it a little touch extra, bam, and yeah. you know, a little bit extra into the uh, weed killer, thinking yeah. that they're going to yeah. do a better job. That's not how it works. Yeah, I put it on before, and I... I Mix it according to the instructions on the on the bottle. So very good because if you put on if uh, you make the uh, mix uh, too rich, what it will do is it burns off the leaves before it has a chance to get down to the roots and kill the plant. Oh, okay. It'll kill the, what's there, but it'll come right back the next year. Okay. All right. So uh, okay. Now order of doing things uh, that you can hit up at any time. Which the four speed, like I said, or uh, okay. In uh, spring or the fall. Uh, as far as the lime goes, save that to the fall. Uh, it's much better. It's a very slow process uh, it, where fertilizer is, like, readily available to your grass. Uh, in this case, you're not feeding the grass. You're making a chemical change to the soil, and that takes months for it to actually happen. Uh, I like putting it down in the fall because there's a lot less of a chance of it burning the lawn then. And I always use pelletized lime as opposed to the uh, white farmer's lime. Right. Like yep. Stuff. Yep. Much easier, much cleaner, and doesn't burn your eyes as much. Yep. Okay. And so you do that one in the fall. And uh, as far as the uh, crabgrass preventer goes, uh, are you putting it down one that has a fertilizer attached to it? Well, I can I can do either. I can get those has uh, fertilizer that has a crabgrass killer in it. I don't know how good that is, or it's, whether it's better to put a straight crabgrass killer on first. Personally, okay. Now, there's a difference between crabgrass killer and crabgrass preventer. There's okay. I can't think of a crabgrass preventative that is available to the Joe Schmo, the homeowner, that is only for crabgrass. Uh, it's widely available, at, you know, attached to the uh, fertilizer. But, uh, you know, sometimes I get uh, people from, uh, you know, the business calling me up and asking when's the best time to do it, too. So that's why I answered it in that fashion. But if you're using one that's attached to a fertilizer, and this is the hard part with the uh, companies because they're taking care of so many customers, out there, and you know the bigger companies, you know they might have thousands of customers, so they've got to get started putting down crabgrass control back in March, and it's not needed at that point, uh, but they're forced to do it because the uh, you know the size of the company, and you know the amount of uh, customers that they have uh, versus the amount of workers, and how fast they can get through a particular round. Uh-huh. Now. If you put it on early in March, you can do what's called a split app, and that's where you put down half now and you do half as a second app about um, four weeks out. Uh, but still, I wouldn't, in the springtime in this area, grass doesn't need anything, very honestly. 
It's going to pop on its own, no problem whatsoever, other than moisture. It needs moisture. But, and, uh, you know, nice sunny days. But once you get uh, the combination of those two things, the grass is going to start growing no matter what. So I wouldn't be as worried about the fertilizer getting down early. And I would stick to these four times for putting down fertilizer, and the first application being fertilizer with crabgrass uh, preventer on it. The first application goes down Memorial Day. The second application, the 4th of July. Third application, Labor Day. And fourth application, Halloween. Stick to the holidays. It gives you a great day to do it, and uh, you know that way there you never forget when it's time to fertilize. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, as far as uh, the other subsequent applications go, if you need a uh, weed and feed type of, uh, you know, if you need to put down weed control, I do not like using uh, the combination products uh, with weed control and uh, fertilizer. Uh, weed preventer is one thing, but the weed control is, to- is something totally different. And okay. I would much rather use a spray over the top. Spray the existing weeds. That way there you're not putting it down across the entire lawn, hitting areas that don't need it. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, it's a much better way of doing the application. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Uh, does that answer your question for you? I think so, yes. I thank you very much. Okay, Terry, you have a great day, and thanks for the call. Yeah, okay, thanks. You take care. And that's going to bring us to our next break. We'll be right back here at 1410 WIZM in just a minute. Go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text. The number down here at WISM is 608-785-7914. Okay, and today in between phone calls, we're talking about planting a Mother's Day garden. We don't have too much time left to the show, unfortunately. Uh, but I did want to uh, really mention... When bringing kids out to the store, again, be positive with them. That You can figure out different ways of rephrasing no. That one's not going to work. Say, you know, mommy doesn't really like that type. Or, you know, some uh, just figure out a better way. And you have to keep in mind, too, what kids like. And they're going to be giving their mom what they think is the prettiest, best possibility out there. Children love fragrance, bright colors, the brighter the better, size extreme, and different textures. And, you know, generally, they're going to go along with your suggestions. Uh, so if you keep those things in mind and, you know, say you get a kid that's wanting to pop something that's totally inappropriate, uh, but they like it for whatever reason, uh, bend their mind to a different direction. Uh, one thing that I got my kids to grow, and it actually turned into a tradition because we did it for quite a few years in a row, were giant sunflowers. Now, there's a couple different types of sunflowers. Uh, you have the shorter types, and you have the giants, and the giants are exactly that. We used to look out our second-story window and see the nice bright yellow blooms in the morning. <laughs> These things can get big with fertilizing. So, uh, and which is really cool. And we, uh, those bratty neighbors that we had, I actually planted a wall of sunflowers, uh, between us and them, which was wonderful. Uh, and it was an impenetrable wall. I mean, 
when a sunflower gets up to 12, uh, 14, 16 feet high, it gets a stalk that's about four inches around. They ain't getting through that. And then plus, uh, you know, come uh, uh, Halloween, you take down the stalks and you can help using them, you know, for your yard decorations and such.